Welcome to the Caring Transitions podcast. This podcast is designed to address the issues and challenges the senior population has with aging in place, downsizing, and or transitioning into senior communities. Caring Transitions of Catawba Valley is the professional solution for senior relocation services, aging in place solutions, and estate sales for both full and partial liquidations. is Robert Baker with Caring Transitions. I'm the president of Caring Transitions of Catawba Valley, based out of the Hickory, North Carolina area. And my special guest today is Deidre Shoemaker, sales manager at Brookdale of Falling Creek in Hickory, North Carolina. Uh, Hello, Deidre. Hey, Robert. Glad you could join me today. And uh, I've gotten to know you over the last year and a half, and your story is quite unique, how you came to Brookdale, the roles you've had throughout Brookdale over the years. Uh, do you mind sharing your story and kind of uh, leading up to where you are today with the Brookdale organization? Sure. Um, so as Robert said, my name is Deidre Shoemaker, and I've been with Brookdale for about nine years or a little more now, and I started with this company in um, Statesville as a caregiver med tech um, at our Statesville location that is um, Brookdale Brookdale East Broad. It used to be uh, the Statesville Manor. And so once I started there, um, I really just fell in love with the ability to have a little more one-on-one time with the residents versus the skilled nursing atmosphere that I had previously been working in um, prior to to joining Brookdale. And I got a promotion about eight months or so into that, and I became a resident care coordinator where I oversaw the staff and kind of, as the title says, I coordinated the care between the staff and the the residents to meet their needs. Um, And then... um, about a year and a half into that, I was uh, blessed with another promotion, and I became a uh, business office coordinator and handled the the fi- more finance side of things. Um, and that was uh, 2012, I believe, uh, or 2013. I'm sorry. And um, not too terribly long after that, my position was actually eliminated due to some, you know corporate um, budget cuts and some restructuring. And I was offered a position in our Winston-Salem community. So I I didn't want to have to drive, of course, because it was quite a long drive, but it was well worth it. So I I did that for about a year. I went back to school during that time frame and I obtained my license to become an executive director or North Carolina um, assisted live-in administrator, as the state calls our title. Um, and I was blessed to be given the promotion back at Brookdale East Broad. Um, so it was like I, I got to go back where, you know, the, it's kind of that house that, that built you type of thing um, and become the executive director there. And I did that up until um, August of 2018. I made a decision that uh, I had uh, new sort of new mommy duties and uh it was I was having a real hard time choosing my child over work and work over my child 
and I needed to step away because I'm an overly committed person when it comes to work. I take a whole lot of heart into to what Brookdale is and what our residents need from us. And I made the decision then to step into the sales role so that I was more more focused on helping families find the the, the solution that they need versus handling everything that the community needs from you as a director. And so that's where I am today. And um, I absolutely love this role. I love it probably more than I, I thought that I would. Um, I truly like helping families do that whole education and figuring out what's the next best step and, and teaching them that assisted living is so much different than most people have have it in their mind. Describe kind of what you might be involved in on a dated basis as you work with residents and their family members. So right now with the COVID precautions, um, our normal routines are obviously, um, they're changed. And so we've, we've had to adjust how we do things, how we go about moving people in. But typically what a normal day, you know, is, is, you know, I, I get to come in every day and I, I get to interact with the residents who are already here, um, that live here. And because um, once once I help them move in, you know, I get to know them in that process, just like the staff is going to get to know them afterwards. So, you know, I stay just as involved with them as as the, the care staff and as, as our nurse does once they're here. Um, and then, you know, depending on where families are in their process. I typically, you know, I'm, I'm following up with the families to say, okay, did you get this paperwork or um, what questions do you have about the the information I sent you yesterday? Um, and, and it could be that I'm, I'm bringing them in on a normal basis um, to do a, a tour of the community, um, a retour of the community. Some families visit with me once and decide this is the, the right place and some visit with me six or seven times. And so it just really depends on 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 the family's uniqueness. Um, and obviously now things are done a little different. We um, are doing everything virtually. Um, we I'm having families that are are touring the community on FaceTime. Um, I'm have families that we we know we use Zoom. Um, and then we we've gotten a little creative with being able to do some window visits. So that helps you know um, with the comfort level of seeing something virtually that's great but still you want to still be able to see something physically before you put your name down and say absolutely yes same as buying a car I would feel like you would want to see it with your own eyes in person before you you buy it over line um and so we we've kind of come up with a strategy of I, I meet people kind of they stand off the porch and I stand on the front porch and and I direct them around to the room that's that is of their interest to that I then meet them on the inside and they're on the outside and they can look in the room and I stand away from the window and we can kind of talk about some things. At first it was a little like, how am I really going to make this happen so that families are comfortable with this? But it is really working out fantastically. Um, You know, I think everybody is um, feeling like they're getting to still make that connection and, and, understand what we offer and how how we are caring for residents. We've all kind of found ways to get creative in how we engage our customers, our clients, our residents uh, while social distancing. That's a good story. Uh, Let's move on next to Brookdale 
uh, Falling Creek. How would you describe um, the services you provide to the residents and how they might be different from other communities? We're the smallest community. Um, I, I don't know that we're the smallest in Catawba County, but I would be willing to bet we're probably up to the top of that list. Um, we at max hold 45 residents. So that's usually one of the first things that kind of um, people notice about us is is that size and, and how it just does not feel overwhelming. Um, it's not, um, you know, you're not, you don't feel like you're walking into an assisted living. You feel like you're walking into a really and truly to a small apartment complex. Um, the design of our rooms is to feel as such, to feel like many apartments. Um, and, and because of the size, we are able to feel more like a family than anything. Um, you know, and of course, just like any assisted living, you know, we have the staff here 24 seven, we provide the meals, we provide housekeeping. Um, but a few things that Brookdale does differently with that is our housekeeping. It's done as a deep, more deeper, more often. It's not just walking in and, and sweeping and picking up the trash. It's a true deep clean of every room um, at least weekly, if not twice a week. It just depends on the resident's preference. Our meals are homemade here in our community. They're not, um, they're not frozen or you know, pre, pre-cooked and brought here. We have the ability when the residents are able to get together, they do what is called a menu chat. And so they get to voice their opinion on what is going to go on that menu and what what we had, you know, maybe they had something last week that, that the majority didn't really like. They were trying something new. So they get to, to, to speak their mind about that and say, we didn't like that at all. Please don't fix that again. Um, or we kind of <laughs> liked it, but we don't want it all the time. Um, so, it's, you know, it's really and truly just like at home, you know, if, if, I'm sure for you, Robert, if your wife fixed something that you don't like, you're going to tell her about it. And if she really, you really liked it, you're going to tell her about that too. I just keep my mouth shut if I don't like it. But if I really, <laughs> really like it, I go over the top. And eat it, right? <laughs> <laughs> and eat it, yeah. So that, I think truly the residents just get to know each other and keeping it more of a home atmosphere. You know, we don't have the tiled floors. We have carpet for that reason so that it feels homey. We have our nurse here. She's here during the day and on call 24-7. So, you know, uh, I've worked with a lot of families that their mom has ended up in the hospital because of a UTI. Well, if she had been here prior to the UTI, we would have started noticing the signs and symptoms most likely of that UTI and could have gotten the test done and gotten, you know, the medication in place before hospitalization had to, to take place. Um, because we have the nurse oversight and we have the staff that's learning the behaviors and, and, you know, the normalcies of, of the residents. And I feel like families become more aware of what mom and or dad's needs are when they live in a community like ours. Uh, you mentioned the home cooked meals. Uh-huh. When I move into an when I move into an assisted living, that is probably number one on my list. What's the food like? And uh, I, I want to eat a lot, and I want to eat well within diet constraints. I know that. And and usually that's at the top of everybody's list is what what is the food like? 
Um, and of course, you know, how often can they eat, which really and truly is as much as often as they want. And then does, is there a smell? Is there an odor? That's usually the top two things um, behind, of course, you know, the financial piece of it. Um, those are the top two things. So Deidre, you mentioned your, how your, a little bit, how your day-to-day has changed due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Can you share with us back to when this pandemic started, uh, Brookdale, uh, Brookdale's response, your current precautions, requirements, and uh, just a little bit more in detail on where you are today. And maybe if you have a crystal ball, where do you see the future? Okay. Um, so when the COVID, um, you know, precautions started kind of coming about back in March, um, it a lot of people may have saw like on social media, it was like, Everybody, I think, was having a conference call with their their bosses or their corporate leaders, I think, every day. And, and that was a true statement. Um, I know I, I saw that on Facebook, like, okay, what's going to change tomorrow that we didn't do today? Um, and it, it really, it was a huge learning um, event for our industry, I think, as a whole, not just Brookdale or not just Brookdale Pollen Creek, as to say, you know, we're in assisted living and typically we don't you know, we worry about the flu, of course, and then this, you know, the norovirus and stomach stuff. But as far as like really the the heavy stuff, you know, we don't normally have sick patients like that. So it was a learning experience across the industry and across our state. I mean, we we are still getting instruction from them almost daily. But um, Brookdale rolled out like a tier of like level one, two, three. Uh, four, all the way up to five and six, I believe, of where every community in the company um, falls as far as their uh, possible COVID exposures go. And when they did that initially, they rolled us all out. I think here in North Carolina, we were rolled down at like a three, a level three, because we didn't have any, any cases in our communities. We didn't have any staff that were sick with it. We didn't have um, several counties at that time didn't have any cases at all. I know at that time, Catawba County did not. And so they rolled us down to the level three. And then shortly thereafter, um, they bumped us up to an X. Well, initially we were allowed to have visitors, um, at a very limited moment, um, for, you know, if the family needed to run in and drop off laundry, they masked and we tempted them, they could run in and do that. And that was back in March. And that was kind of standard across the state for assisted living. And then once um, things kind of got to flow in a little more with cases being diagnosed across the state, uh, probably, you know, that was mid-March, I would say by the next week, Brookdale rolled us out to a level 3X. So we then had to say no to all visitors unless it is end of life and then you know, we have to seek some approval for that, um, except for medical providers like home health and hospice. Um, some uh, hospital equipment or DME companies, like um, if they're delivering oxygen, we obviously need them to bring that oxygen in. Um, so, you know, those are, I think limiting the visitors was the biggest first step. Um, we, of course, were all wearing masks and things like that here. here. Um, and we were doing the temperatures and signing in and 
you know, still to this point, Brookdale has said we cannot let anyone out of the building without doing their temperatures as well um, because of how quick the symptoms can develop. Brookdale wanted to ensure that, you know, if a, if a nurse comes in to see a patient, did she develop a temperature in that hour to possibly, you know, two hours, depending on how many patients she's seeing here, um, did she develop a temperature during that time frame? Because it's, it, you know, with the COVID-19, the potential is there for that to happen. Um, so all of those things are still in place with us being at the level 3X. But what the biggest thing that's changed with that is our residents are no longer allowed to eat together in the dining room. Um, we can have residents eat in the dining room who need some assistance. And that's a very limited number. And they have to be, you know, spaced out and away from each other, you know, the socially distanced six feet or more. Um, and then we can't have group gatherings of our residents. Um, and if if they choose to gather amongst themselves, they can do so because it is their right. But we can't like say host bingo because then we're we're not keeping them separated. We just there's just no way to space them out that far to do that. Um, so those are the two biggest things that I think are affecting our residents inside right now is that it's um, they're they're missing out on a lot, not just with their families, but with their peers. Um, and then at one point, you know, Brookdale decided that they were going to test every employee and every resident across all 800 of our communities. Um, so they they did that here at our community on June 1st. And we did have two residents who did test positive. And so our community were, was escalated in their le- in our level, and we weren't um, we were doing things a little more different. We weren't um, doing any dining in the in the common area at all, even for residents who needed assistance. Um, and then, of course, those two residents had to be removed immediately from from our community um, at that time. It's been difficult. I think it's been difficult for the whole industry, the family members, the caregivers. It's, it's been really, really difficult across the board. How would you describe the ideal resident for Brookdale Falling Creek? How about I tell you about the, the basic um, demographics and kind of the residents that we have? Um, maybe that would be a, a good way to explain that. So we typically don't take any resident under about roughly the age of 65. We We can... Um, do a little younger than that. Just depends on that person's situation. Um, our average age of resident here is between the ages of 88 and I would say 92. Um, so it's an older population. So you don't want to mix. You know, you get too young, and then there's there starts to be a little bit of not understanding each other's um, thoughts and things on on life. Um, and it, it, we have a lot of women. We have, I believe we are up to eight men out of 40 residents at right at at this moment. So they are definitely um, the the minority here, the men folk. Um, but our our residents here like their privacy, but they're also social. Um, they like to know each other, they like to do things together. But they also need their space. Um, 
They, they like to go out to eat when, when that's, you know, a possibility. They like to, they love bingo. These, these folks, they absolutely love their bingo and they love arts and crafts. Um, and they really, really are missing in, uh, our groups that come in to sing. That I think is probably one of the biggest things they're missing besides their families. Um, and that's a big, huge thing for them. They, they love to sing and they, they love, some of them love to dance. Um, so I think, you know, we have a lot of locals that live here. We've got a lot of teachers and we've got some nurses. Um, we've got some preachers and preacher's wives. So we do, you know, we have a, a pretty good dynamic of, of residents. Um, we have some who are independent uh, we have some residents who need a little more assistance than than others. Um, and of course, you know, we do have um, the ability to help some folks with some dementia. So um, it, it all kind of, you know, works together and, and flows out very well. Um, we truly do all feel like one one big family. And especially right now, you know, we, the staff and, e- and each other are um, kind of like a big family able to see each other and, and visit daily. That's a great description. Thank you for answering that question. Thank so you. If, if we have a resident or a family member that's listening to this podcast and they're interested in learning more about Brookdale Falling Creek, how, how should they go about that? Who should, how, how do they contact you? And um, uh, just anything else you want to add, Deekra, go ahead. I think that the easiest way is not to do a Google search. Um, usually that gets people, um, they come, they Google and they come back with all these options and they'll get a few of the third parties in, involved in a, I don't mean for that to sound like that's a bad thing, but it does get overwhelming. Um, so I, I would specifically, I would go to brookdale.com, www.brookdale.com. Um, and you can look up our phone number. You can look up um, email addresses, I believe, and physical addresses. And it'll it'll send it straight to me to my email. Um, or they can call me directly at the community. Um, my number is 828-328-6090. Or on my cell phone. And that number is 828 828- Two three eight seven eight eight nine, and if you go on um, Brookdale Falling Creek's Facebook page, those two numbers are in almost every Facebook post that's been made on there. So you can you can easily look those up there as well. Because you know, writing down and remembering numbers is um, is hard for me. So I'm sure it's hard for other other people as well. Um, but calling calling directly is going to uh, probably be the easiest or reaching out through our website so that it, it doesn't get overwhelming because it is an overwhelming process. You know, Fallen Creek isn't the right choice for everybody. And we, we acknowledge that. And so if, if someone calls me and I can't help them or we're not um, the place that, that fits mom and dad's needs, then I do everything I can to find, you know, the, the next place what's the best place for them and make help them make that initial connection to that person whether that's a a long-term skilled nursing community or an independent living community memory care 
Um, I've even helped people look up um, apartment complexes that you know might fit their needs a little better than than what we can. Really good. It's it's been a pleasure getting to know you, Deidre, over the last year and a half, and I've enjoyed learning more and more about the Brookdale communities in our area, and specifically Fallen Creek. And I've enjoyed working uh, and helping some of your residents uh, transition into your community. I uh, really appreciate your time today. Uh, thank you so much. You are very um, welcome. <clears throat> anything else you want to add before we conclude today? No, I, I think that is pretty much it. If anyone needs my assistance, feel free to reach out. I'm here to help in any way that I can. Um, I'll be glad to do that. I enjoy um, helping everyone. Well, thank you, Deidre. Thank you again. Thank you, uh, Brookdale Falling Creek, for participating in today's podcast. And to our listeners out there, stay tuned. Until next time, this is Robert Baker saying goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Caring Transitions podcast. If you would like more information, please call us at 828-358-0383 or visit our website at www caringtransitionscv.com.